Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Hi. You know that movie you always wanted to see, but you didn't for whatever reason? Well, I call those black hole films. Everyone has them, and this podcast aims to do something about that. I'm Jeremy Lalonde, and every episode I'll be joined by one or more guests to watch a film that at least someone in that group hasn't seen. We'll talk about our expectations of it before it, and then our thoughts after it. This is episode 42, and I'm joined by returning guest Ken Cooperus and a good pal of mine, Anna Sesmer, who you have seen in pretty much everything I've done, including Sex After Kids, How to Plan an Orgy in a Small Town, he'll be in my new film, The Go-Getters, as well as... Really amazing shows like Red Oaks, NBC's Blind Spot, The Listener, LA Complex, the list goes on. And we sat down to watch a film together. Alright, so we're sitting down to watch Fletch. Oh. Lore in the room. I'm Jeremy. I have not seen it. Oh my goodness, I'm very excited that you haven't seen it. This is my first time on the podcast. My name is Ennis Esmer. I have seen Fletch. I've missed opportunities to see movies for the first time a couple times on your podcast, but uh, I have seen Fletch numerous times. I saw it in the theaters. I'm very excited about this. <laughs> I'm Ken Cooperus, and I've seen this movie many, many times. Yeah. Nice. I have the DVDs. I showed the, the You guys both came with DVDs, and Ennis is, comes with an... Uh, an interchangeable, would you say? Is that the best way to describe it? It's, like it's a, a box set of Fletch and Fletch Lives, and it has a weird... I think in the last, like, last-ditch attempts to sell people on DVDs before, you know, every HMV went under, um, it has, like, a weird spinning interactive wheel where you can change. Because, you know, he does a lot of... Yeah. He impersonates a lot of different... That I, I don't want to blow the movie for yeah. you, but... Uh, Fletch is a real, uh, he's a real master of disguise. <laughs> like that movie Master like of Disguise. Like Dana Carvey. Yeah. yeah. So this is less, the... less turtle stuff, but... Um, so this is a prequel to that movie. Does anybody else remember anything else about Master of Disguise besides the turtle, t- turtle, turtle? No. Turtle. I, I've never seen it. I just remember from the commercial. It's from the trailer. Yeah. And the trailer, yeah. And, the po- and I remember when I, when it came out, I think I was in college, and I remember a giant cardboard cutout in the movie theater. Yeah. But Dana Carvey, one of them was the turtle. Where, where are you going where you're disguising yourself as a turtle man? <laughs> And that's that's to blend in. What yeah. disguise? There uh, you know what? I shouldn't. I shouldn't. A lot of times today, people get very knee jerk. They have reactions about trailers. I shouldn't judge. I shouldn't judge. But I bet you, Aaron Abrams has seen that movie. But we are watching that next, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Double feature. Just not on the podcast. Just later. Yeah. Yeah. Just for our own personal enjoyment. Uh, yeah, Aaron's seen that movie for sure. Oh, for sure. I'm sure. Of all people, if you don't know, a very talented actor named Aaron Abrams, who I've known since we were 12. Aaron, he's seen everything. Aaron, he had not seen Nightmare on Elm Street. We watched it uh, for the podcast. He hadn't seen Nightmare wow. on Elm Street? No, but he'd seen a lot of the sequels, I think, or something. Or yeah. He, or he had missed that one. for. He missed the original for Strange. some reason. That's very, very surprising <laughs> to me. I and, can't think of anybody who's seen anything more than him. But check out that episode because it made him very angry, that movie. Oh, it's infuriating. In, in, in a very delightful way. Okay, good, I will. Because I just watched it for the first time last Halloween. Yeah. I made a point of seeing a lot of Halloween movies. Nice. Do you watch a lot of Christmas movies? I start, I made Christmas. Is this going to come out around Christmas? This will come out after. That's okay, we can talk about okay. it. Okay, well, I mean, you know, because I just got asked today about Christmas movies. And I don't know, I never really... I like Christmas adjacent movies. You know, like, like, like your diehards yeah. and your... Gremlins. Stuff. Yeah, and your Gremlins, yeah. Yeah, yeah I was just... We were, I was Eyes wide Ken. shut. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um... Trading Places? Is yeah. Is yeah. Totally, totally, totally a Christmas, a CA, yeah. a Christmas adjacent I film. just made a list yesterday going, what movies are one? Because I always, there's two I always watch, it's Muppet's Christmas Carol and, well, Scro- yeah. and Scrooge. Yeah, perfect. I, I end up going with uh, Bad Santa, which I love <laughs> more than I should, I don't know. It's Bernie Mac and John Ritter. They're, they're incredible. Have they, they both seen the piece? sequel? I won't. 
Yeah, I have, no, it. I've never seen the sequel. Because the Coen Brothers produced the first one, and it has like they, a they weird... They wrote it, too. Oh, that, is that right? They co-wrote the first one. Okay, yeah. well, that explains why I like it so damn much. Yeah. And that kid. So good. Yeah. Yeah. Not having John Ritter is... Yeah, how do you, and Bernie, Bernie Mac, Mac. Yeah, Bernie, Bernie Mac, Mac as well. Voice. Oh, yeah. man, Th- their scenes together are just really... Is this how this is supposed to go? I just Usually we talk about the movie we are about to watch. Okay, so, okay, so uh, Fletch. I, I'm, I'm trying to think of why I haven't watched it. I don't really... Because I've seen pretty much every other um, Chevy Chase film. I've Spies seen, Like Us? Spies Like Us. Fletch uh, Lives? Fletch... No. <laughs> that would be nuts. You know what no. that reminds me? Like, some guys I worked with recently, they love, love... And I've never heard this before. Like, they were talking about a movie, and they were, like, fawning over uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. And I was like, oh, what movie are you talking about? And they were like, Grease 2. They love... <laughs> you know what? I get this, is. but get this. There is. They, and I get that, like, there's some people who, you know, the second Nas album is Lupe Fiasco's favorite Nas album, which is crazy to me. But they loved Grease 2. And not only that, hate Grease. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a very specific person. They know person. hate the original Grease. There's a certain age where Grease 2 is your Grease. Right. Because it came out, like, you know, when you're a teenager. Mm-hmm. And that's the one you saw. That's like who's you're your going, James. You're going through puberty, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. The musical version of Who's Your James Bond? <laughs> yeah. Right. Essentially, yeah. yeah. That's true. But, okay, so you've seen... You haven't seen Flesh Lives, but you've seen... Uh, but I've seen, like, uh, what's the... Oh, the one where he eats the sheep's balls. Funny Farm. Funny Farm. I haven't seen Funny, Funny Farm. Funny Farm's great. Oh, shit, I just ruined it. That's the sound well, well, I believe it. That's the, yeah. Have you seen Nothing But Trouble? Oh, yeah. Oh, my, oh my God. God. Nothing But Trouble. That is absolutely the worst movie. I saw that in the theater. I was excited about it. Oh, no. Don't get excited. All I can think about is Dan Aykroyd's weird Penis prosthetic nose. dick nose. Yeah. And, and eating and, the hot dog. And those weird twins that John Candy plays. And Digital Underground and Tupac are in that movie. They have a song on the soundtrack. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They perform it. Oh, my I miss God. those days when they would have, like, the, the video would have, like, the actors from the movie would be in the video, and they wouldn't just be showing scenes from it. They'd be interacting with yeah, them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Do you remember the um, the crime that gets them put, sent to, like, the place? Oh, God, I uh, blocked it all out. It was pretty minor. Uh, he rolls, they roll through a rolling stop at a stop sign. Oh, and yeah, then they yeah. get into, like, a weird, like, macabre house of... Yeah, house of, of horror. Of of horror Mr. Mr. Bone Stripper, right? The, yeah. That's the roller coaster that strips... I watch... I don't know why oh, it strips right. the flesh <laughs> See, I had really blocked out a lot of that movie. No, so I feel when, like I might have snuck into that. When I was young, my uncle was... You know, and I had not realized this time. It was one of like the original Pirates of movies. But in the sense that he would rent a bunch of movies and then just record them on like through two VCRs. Are you, are you snitching on him right snitching now? Snitching on my uncle. I've told this story a few times. All right. But, <laughs> but what, what he would do is he would just... For the get, record, he's doing uncle in air quotes, so it could just be a family friend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, and he would just record th- whatever three movies he rented that weekend, and just have them on tapes. Right. And so I would borrow these tapes from him, and it would be the weirdest mishmash of movies. It'd just be whatever he rented. Well, yeah, yeah. So it was like pre Uncle yeah. Netflix. It wasn't like all Back to the Futures <laughs> in, a, in an order. Right. It was just like, it's like it was, Back to the Future Two, like European Team Vacation, Wolf, Splash. Yeah, right. But but not even that. Not bad, it was like, not a bad weekend. It would have been like a western. It would have been like genres that don't go together. Weird things. So that's that's what I kind of equate to my love of all genres. Yeah. Because right. I would watch these weird triple bills with no thematic, no thematic no connective <laughs> tissue of any sort. But and I remember nothing but trouble being on one of those tapes. Oh. And for some reason, I did, he went away on vacation, and so I had this tape for more than I should have. And so I probably watched nothing but trouble way more times than I ever would have. Oh my god! Just because I still had the tape. And I was a kid. And that's what you did as a kid. I remember the first time I rented a movie, I think it was UHF, and I watched it three times that night. Yeah. yeah. My parents were out. Top Secret, and first I another, movie. Oh, incredible. On uh, VHS. Incredible. And why the hell like not? five yeah. times in a row. I, wanna, I, I, I would know. always re-watch the movie the next morning before we had to take yeah. it back to the video store. Of course. It's crazy. I'm looking this up. Nothing But Trouble is 
Okay, directed by Dan Aykroyd, written by Peter and Dan Aykroyd. It was a, it that was, I knew. It's from 1991, which it seems older to me it's his because passion project. No, I remember seeing the theater when I it first did. came out. Taylor Negron's in it. Raymond yeah. Barry. Yeah. Ryan Doyle Murray. This is a great cast. Uh, it was John Dan, Candy. John Candy. Yeah, of course. Was, yeah, not to mention John Candy. And he played like the twins. He played. Yeah, twins. he played a couple. And he played and the bailiff too. And then, and then Demi Dan Moore Aykroyd played like a Demi Moore was the love interest. I know. I just can't believe it. And then there was big mutant babies in the backyard, and Dan yeah. Aykroyd played one of them, I think. The, Dan Aykroyd played one, and John Candy played one. But wait, Digital Underground were like characters gross. in the that movie. Gross. They were characters in the movie, I feel yeah, they were, they were, like. Humpty Hump is in that movie, isn't When they he? first showed up at the house, because yeah. Dan Aykroyd was the judge. He was the dick-nosed judge. <laughs> and those guys, I think, were being sentenced before them. That's so weird. Yeah, it's just yeah. Like, Tupac Shakur is credited as playing a member of Digital Underground. Like, that's all. That's, Digital Underground is just in that movie. I just remember them so on weird. that roller coaster. They were all laughing and giggling. And then they go through the slot. And then they come out bones on the other side. And yeah. I thought, yeah. this, is, this is not it's crazy. <laughs> you got to imagine that Dan Aykroyd ended up at a party somewhere with Tupac high and convinced him to be in his movie. I mean, because Tupac was actually in Digital Underground at that time. That's like before yeah. he was on his own. But still, it's like, how do those two come together? I think that's like a weird thing where they, or it's they, a marketing they, thing. Or do they share a manager or agent at the time? They were like, we got the Humpty Dance guys. Let's put them in the movie. That, that'll be great. Someone packaged that in a weird way. Yeah, Dan Aykroyd's passion project involved uh, a appearance of Digital Underground as themselves. <laughs> That's funny. The, the, Dan Aykroyd's into some music I had no idea about. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. But back to Chevy Chase. Back to Chevy Chase. Three Amigos is one of my favorite three movies of all time. Yeah. Yeah. It's and Chevy Chase has Spies a, Like Us for me. Oh, yeah? Spies Like Us, um, National Lampoon's Vacation, yeah. Fletch. Top yeah. tier for me, Chevy Chase. Do you watch Do you watch Christmas Vacation? Oh yeah, you go back to that. Yep. I think that that does great. We were debating Wonderful. whether or not I was debating whether or not my nine, my almost nine year old, is safe for that movie now. Hmm. There's less sex stuff than European Vacation. There's there's, there's yes. that one. There's a swearing scene that that might be. There's a swearing scene, and I swear he's. There's a scene where he looks out the window and imagines uh, the girl from the mall. But I don't know. Cool, and I and I I'm I'm not. No, that's from Chevy Chase. That's from the first one, isn't it? No, that's from Christmas. Oh, I'm, mi- I'm mixing that's that in Tommy Boy. That happens in Tommy Boy. Which, uh, <laughs> sorry. Right, it's Christmas? Okay, right. Yeah. That's really I funny. think what happens is, weirdly, uh, in his imagination, her bikini top hits the window. That does happen, so maybe that but I don't think you ever see... Yeah, you're, you're probably right. You can explain that away. You could be like, uh, it started raining. <laughs> Bikinis. You know, what do they know? It's not like your kids are going to be like, why is her top off? We're going to start a new podcast. It's called Ennis Talks to My Child. <laughs> and explains movies to... Can I tell you, on that regard, I saw a tweet by John Catucci, who I guess had just seen uh, Thor... And there's a joke where the guy says something about orgies, and he went to that movie with his daughter. Yeah. And she said, did he say oranges? And he was like, yes, yes, oranges, oranges. <laughs> and he was really proud. He was showing off at how like quickly he rolled with it. And I'm like, that's great. He turned orgies into oranges. Speaking of my, 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 my son just went, Daddy, you know about orgies? <laughs> in, the, in the movie theater. Really? Yeah. Oh, so he heard it. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. That's really Well, we funny. have posters in my house. Yeah, sure. Worked. The word orgy. He's You're in a very house. sex positive household. <laughs> So yeah, so that's on mine went the other way in the movie theater. You got a pretty sharp kid there. So what are your um, just to get back on Fletch? What, what do I know? About? Your, yeah, what are your expectations of this movie? What do you know about it? I mean, I think I know it's a much loved movie. All I know is that that it's like he's a master books? disguise. Have you, have you read the books at nope. all, or do you know? I know nothing. I know that like Kevin Smith wanted to remake it at one point mm-hmm. with Jason Lee. Yeah. yeah, you know, literally all I know is that it's a you know probably one of the things that Chevy Chase was known best for, or probably re- really launched him. 
Um, I, think it was, I think it was mid. This is mid after Caddyshack, right? And you know, yeah. but you know what? It was kind of one of the first ones that was just him carrying the movie as far as comedic presence. Like, well, it's the first one that had a real director. Yeah, it's the first one that feels like, first one that feels like a real film. Yeah. yeah. Who is uh, the director on this movie? Michael Ritchie. Right. And it, t- it really it has. Uh, I mean, not to you know give it away, but it's got high stakes in it, like compared mm-hmm. to some of the other stuff he was making at the time. And it is less of a team movie. I mean, aside, you know, Gina Davis was relatively new at this point, wasn't she? I think yeah. This is, this is like her first. Her was first maybe movies. it was like an introducing or something yeah. like that. Well, but. she was in Tootsie. Was her first? Oh right, yeah. There you go. Thing. Yeah, I don't know. If Transylvania six five thousand may have been before this, uh, but you know, we're in that neighborhood of, of nice. Yeah, but it's one of the movies young. that I've always wanted to see, and so I try to shut out anything I hear about it, so I don't, so it doesn't get spoiled. Yeah. So I don't know like any of the gags. I don't know any oh, of the great. scenes. Oh, this I'm be going great. in yeah. pretty. Blind. You don't even know what the plot of the movie's about. Nope. This is fantastic. You're do, you've done very well to, to protect yourself against... Because uh, it's a great idea for a movie. I think we should just jump right into it. Let's do it. I think we should talk about Christmas movies some more. <laughs> Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right, we just finished. What'd you think? What a piece of shit. Yeah, <laughs> no, stop. Oh, delightful. It's like, what do you say? I love that it was like, it was a real movie. It wasn't just some kind of like... That's a mystery. Silly comedy. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. No, but uh, you, you, I mean, you guys set it up when we were talking about it earlier, how it's, you know, it's a proper, you know... It has stakes. Yeah. It's just a stakes. full investigation. Well, it's an actual detective story. Yeah. You know, and he's not, you know, he feels like a real human being as opposed to just like a jokey... He's not Dana Carvey. Yeah. For sure. No. For Masters of No, there's no turtle shells. <laughs> no, and like you guys said, we were watching, it's like he's not particularly good at the undercover bit. Well, he's, he's, he's not he's bad. Not a, you know, he's not a cop. He's just bumbling through looking for the story. Yeah, he's not beholden to procedure as a cop because he's trying to break the story, but he's also not a professional investigator, so to speak, because he keeps screwing up and almost getting caught. Yeah. It's like he almost doesn't take it that seriously. And yet, he he's d- really he good at it. He won't leave it a lot behind, yeah. even when his life's in danger. No, I, and I love like the bit you get that bit with Emmett Walsh, where as the doctor, where he's talking yeah. about just that bit about the the guy that passed away, his uncle's or his aunt's. Yeah, he's doing that dance. It makes yeah. you think of like uh, Matt Damon in Ocean's Eleven, where he's like, "Not since he died last year," you know, like that kind of like <laughs> he's in hot water and he has to find his way out of he, it. He's on pushing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But there's also like a weird like I think it's like a it's almost like a he's like an adrenaline junkie for it too. Yeah. You know? And what's and the, there's that whole like backstory on the outside in that corner's office. Yeah. With the doctor in the corner, like he's giving him water at some point. He's he's helping him drink the water. You know what we know? They're, what we they're, noticed. they're weighing the liver. Yeah. What we noticed in this one is that there's always something going on in the background. Like, yeah. There's, there's a definitely whole story going around like. Every almost every background, if you watch, there's another story going on. Especially the guy that that almost gets his his job yeah. with, with the egg salad. Oh, the the reporter that gets that he's like he's handing it over to a real reporter, and the guy has like three reactions at one, which is like, I've never been called a real reporter. I get this job. Also, look at this egg salad sandwich. <laughs> Very generous amount of egg. But there's yeah. something about okay. I want to hear your thoughts first because yeah, I feel like we're we're in three different stages here. You just watched this for the first time. Yeah. This movie is uh, nostalgic to me, but not cherished. And you love that's top ten all time. Yeah, you, top you ten said all time. You own the basketball jersey. Yeah, that he wears in the movie. I do. Well, I don't know. In the dream sequence, if in you don't remember, sequence. there's a dream sequence where he plays not the one the, that the guy wears at the end. 
No. No. So he plays like Number a member. He falls asleep watching a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar interview and ends up having a dream about being the greatest <laughs> Laker ever. Yeah. Uh, five, was it? Five, seven, five, eleven with an afro. And what's kind of amazing about that sequence is you that would probably be on the cutting room floor of any modern movie. Well, it's a weird departure, right? It actually is shot like it's on TV too. Like it's it's got the LED. Yeah, yeah. There's no purpose to that. There's sequence. no purpose to it. No, he just has a little fantasy about being playing for the Lakers. Probably. Just, I mean, it establishes his character a little bit because you know he is this huge basketball fan. Is yeah. Any but chance it, he gets, he's sinking something through a hoop. Or, but it makes him like a Walter Mitty type character. For a second. Yeah. For a second. Yeah, yeah. it's the only True. time that happens in this True. movie. Except that it's a legitimate dream as opposed to like just um, walking through life envisioning these things. And yeah, and then you find out later. Sure. Yeah. Might have been a fever dream. You don't know. Yeah. You might have had the flu or something in that moment. Uh. <laughs> no, so I mean, I, I really, really enjoyed it. You know, I think I think a lot of the jokes stand up. There's a couple of slightly racist, misogynistic. I mean, you know, he's 80s. like casually making like Colombian, Mexican black jokes. There's he calls a, the black guy Sammy at like the, the you know, Sammy at the Lions bit? Club yeah. thing. It's Those are things like, that were in movies that are just like, oh, they would yeah. never put that in a movie now because that's. I feel like in the '80s, you, they it's almost like they had to have that. It's like, oh, we don't have that yet. We how can we have a comedy out that doesn't it's, have it's someone pretty, asking I'll, I'll say yeah. this because you know, over the course of this podcast, we watch a lot of older movies that yeah. do not hold up when it comes to racism and, mm-hmm. and police academy is the worst of all. Yo, I'm sure. Yeah. And we've had debates about Tootsie yeah, yeah, yeah. Over, over Facebook, you know, yeah. about, like the the perceived. It's just differences of opinion and yeah. interpretation, but we all kind of had the same reaction to some of the, yeah, the jokes a, in this one. But it's a question you have. It's like, can you give it a pass because of the time period it's made? And it's interesting. I think they're not. I mean, there's like a bunch of jokes about where he kind of challenges the heterosexuality of the police that are threatening him. But you, but in, in a way that maybe gives a credit, it doesn't. It didn't. It didn't ask for at the time. Those are jokes framed in he's calling them gay, which would offend their characters because they're so hyper-masculine. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a way to look at stuff like that and be like, oh, he's not saying there's anything wrong with being gay, but you got the wrong girl. When he you also didn't throw out any slurs, which no, is very yeah, common yeah, for yeah, well, no, say, like for, for the movies that I've been re-watching, it, it ends up much better than a lot of movies mm-hmm. in yeah. terms of all that kind of stuff. Even the stuff, like, he's not... Really lecherous. He's char- he's charming in a weird way. No, and let me tell you, it, he is like Olympic level charming <laughs> in these movies. Like it may be a function of I, um, the the actor that he's playing opposite that plays uh, the wife whose name escapes me, and I, uh, someone else talks. So I can look it up so I can to give the proper respect. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you've got the the Gina Davis character, but you're talking about Larry. him not being lecherous. Le- I love that her name's Larry. Yeah, oh, Gina Davis is terrific. Yeah. Well, there's the, he, he 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 enjoys her back scratches. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that's no, indicative of, like, you know, the cub reporter doting on him almost more so than him. It's almost but, like he's but, but letting like her But at the same time, yeah. in, in a lesser It's movie, in no way sexual. No. He just, just scratches his back. Say. Yeah, it's, it's not played as sexual. It's it feels not. like it's her choice. Like, it feels like she's the one instigating that because it's yeah. her leg up on that industry. Yeah. But now in the scenes um, leg up being an unfortunate uh-huh. uh, in, the, in, the, in the scenes of um, Dana Wheeler Nicholson who plays the wife Gail Stanwyck <laughs> the it's, bored it's, wife and it's just pulled out of thin air everyone. Yeah. D- 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 not at all well she's done it. fantastic work in numerous movies but. Uh, oh yeah? Can you name uh... <laughs> oh, of course I can name other movies that you don't remember her from the movie Tombstone? Hello? <laughs> Remember her in Tombstone? What was that other movie she did just after Tombstone, Ennis? Uh, a Gifted Man, which was sometime later. It was with uh, Paul Wilson. It was in 2012. 
Oh, wow. That's quite a while later. Well, she has a very vast and varied resume of over multiple platforms. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't want to get away from your point. Well, now, now, I, I, now if she hears this, we're toast. <laughs> but there was something crackling about those scenes that were similar to the, stu- the stuff with him and Lacey Underalls and uh, Caddyshack, where mm-hmm. he's just so good at... I don't know. There's something kind of... A, a, he has this wheelhouse of... Yeah, and he plays it over the top with the, with the physical stuff. But he's still kind of underplaying all of it. But what's great about this physical stuff is that it, it, doesn't, it never feels cartoony or over the top. It's also no. subtle. There's that great bit where he's, he's playing, what is it, an accountant or some kind of thing? Or, or some yeah, with the CRA. bandage. With the, yeah, he's got the bandage on his nose. He's with like, the SEC. SEC. Security's How he's got case. some kind of, like, he ran into something. And he takes it off and he bumps into the door again. Yeah. He's really committing to that clumsy oh, yeah. character. Yeah. It's a weird setup where you're like, why is he wearing a bandage on his nose? The last second you see his nose is, was bleeding, and then he walks in the door. It's, so it's very. But strange. there's also like Chevy Chase also just in terms of the physical humor really takes advantage of the fact that he's a tall man. Yeah, yeah, and it's he, it's tall guy jokes know, for sure. I, I think he walks into a room that he's going to shoot in, and he like scopes it out for what can I use? What am I going to do? Because I really think that he thinks that audiences are going to get bored if he's not doing something. Yeah, silly. Yeah, and so but he doesn't play it silly. No, he doesn't. He but this is also at the height of his like celebrity. <laughs> Absolutely, you know what I mean. But this was like a big, again, like aside from not to you know. But this is Saturday Night George Live went, too, or, right? At yeah. Saturday Night Live, it was always the fall, the fall down the stairs. That yeah. was his. That was his thing. He's a he's a very physical uh, comedian, and and that and you know over everything else. I mean, the vacation movies, everything. Those are the jokes he does. Those are the jokes he plays so well. Yeah, you he mentioned George Went. Yes. What a uh, weird character for him. He's like, playing like a, a, a fat Sam. He's 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 an on the take drug. Uh, but he's got a weird accent. He was kind of doing a Creole, and it's mid Cheers too. It was like so almost yeah. like it wasn't not really a comedy role. Like it was just he's just kind of there. Yeah. Well, he did a bunch. You remember he was in House. Remember yeah, House? but that was a comedy role. He was yeah, really but it's still like a horror that. movie. But yeah, that's right. This is actually kind of a he's playing role. very straight, this and he's kind of going like, oh, Fletch. Like he's got a bit yeah, of a, he's got a bit of a, I was like, is he supposed to be like, like who, this? who is sitting back reading the script going, George Wynn? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I think that is, if you think about the time when this movie came out, all the other Chevy Chase movies that were out were like, they were vehicles, but they also had like other, other comedic actors in them. Like there's mm-hmm. nobody really well known in this movie. But George Wynn is not, you, especially you said, it's, like, it's just right in the, in the thrust of Cheers. Like, yeah. Cheers. Yeah. It's like, well, when did Cheers start? Uh, like 82? 81, 82? Really? Yeah. Yeah. So started in 1982? Yeah, really early. Yeah. Holy shit. So okay, so it's like, right in his wheelhouse. Yeah, but it's like, there's no joke he plays. Yeah. He plays a very straight role. And also, nobody else has a large part in this movie besides Chevy Chase. No. Really? Yeah. Like a large comedic part. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. not Spies Like Us, it's not Vacation, it's not... It's true. It's but he's not, not the go, only not comedian with a serious role, because also uh, Stanwyck himself, Tim Matheson... Yeah. This is one of his early roles where he played a dramatic role instead of a comedy role. Which led to a lot more dramatic yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And he's so the heavy in this. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and admit that I, um, I mean, for a future, I might have actually put this on the, the Facebook group, but I've, I've never seen Animal House. Oh, wow. That's so, a, that Animal is, House. That is a real... If you want to talk about movies that do not hold I'm up, worried. I'm worried. There is, it's, 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 there's a literally a rape scene that's played for a comedy. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's yeah. not no. even... But I mean, it, it, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll have a sex hard comedy. Time. Is there not actually? 
Revenge yeah. of the Nerds is it's, even worse. It, uh, see, I don't, I can't I don't go know back. if the Revenge of the New York is worse oh, than the Animal House. It certainly one. is. The Animal House one literally has like oh, no. an angel and a. So what you're saying we're not is we're not going to watch this movie together. I'm just saying. Well, <laughs> I don't want to. I don't think I want. We'd to. have an interesting conversation after. Okay. Because Animal House literally has the guy has an angel and a devil on his shoulders, debating whether or not to fuck this girl who's passed out on his bed. Nope. <laughs> not in. No. 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 Oh no. And isn't she like fourteen? Oh, like, what? Well, no, they're college age, I think. But yeah, no, but what? The, the, Tim Matheson, his character in that movie, has sex with a teenager. He finds out because she's like, "I gotta get home to my dad" or something like yeah. that. Yeah, and is, he was like, "Oh, whoops." Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is unfortunate. Like, I mean, can we just make it clear that that's a problem of oh, no, at that awful. time? Yeah, that the loose morality and. Uh, ambiguity over depictions of sexual assault and statutory rape. Were... Well, doesn't even even in this movie, like Chevy Chase throws out a random pederast comment. Yeah, he calls somebody yeah. pederast. But they, the other weird thing is like there's a thing throw where away. The, he's 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 trying to talk into his voice tape recorder, and then he presses play by accident, and then you hear like a woman moaning, and then she says, "Are you recording? Uh, this? Are you recording this?" <laughs> and then he has to stop and fix it. Like that's like. It's so it's like a w- weird like uh, like Catskills Borscht Belt joke oh, in a way. Sure. There's something yeah. sticky about it, but yeah, yeah, the movie by and large stays away from. You you would definitely have major issues with Animal House. I don't think I want to watch that. If you just that's the opening, and it's thing a shame you because you know you take away ten minutes of that movie. And it's yeah, like awesome, awesome. I don't yeah. know. There's a lot of stuff in oh, it. Oh yeah, I, I would say seen it for a while. I do. I do remember loving it. Though. I ended. I rewatched it. It came on Netflix about a year or so ago. And I yeah. rewatched it. It was mm-hmm. like I was uncomfortable most of the movie. Nah. I will say, Range of the Nerds has a weird rape scene in it. Yeah, when but, you say, I mean it's it's a it's a rape scene though. Yeah, it's not good. Well, it's, it's, now I'm just hyper aware of having, three men talking about movies from the eighties. The, the woman, I mean, in the original, the woman's having cons- consensual sex with somebody that she doesn't realize is who it is. What it's going on? There. That's I think that might. Yeah, that's it's, right. it's rape for I mean, sure. But in, in Animal House, the woman is not conscious, and the it's, devil and the angel like it's yeah. played for laughs. Yeah. It's played for sure laughs. So, <sighs> I will say, Revenge of the Nerds, the rest of the movie holds up largely outside of a lot of the stuff they're just doing. Yeah. Where Animal House, there's a lot of continual just stuff that makes you go, ugh. It's almost as if filmmakers, screenwriters, and actors <laughs> that grew up in an era where the ambiguity of that was depicted in a way that might not age well, uh, we can now move forward with an awareness uh, that there were certain people making those movies at the time that were steering what was funny about those movies. Mm-hmm. And we all agree that that's not funny anymore. Yes. Yeah. And it's actually quite... And, uh, you know, and to the detriment of those movies is is decaying and ruining the legacy of whatever those <laughs> movies might have yeah. you know, meant to you as a kid. No question. Like, I'm watching this movie now, and I'm like, oh, it's the, the Sammy joke, like the yeah. weird Sammy Davis Jr. joke. is like, oh, that's... Uh, that's a sh- that's I can, you know I love yeah. uh, I I love Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure yeah but I can't show it to my kids because it's full of it's full of like gay slurs yeah oh see, yeah I haven't rewatched the, the movie, movie in forever it's very homophobic yeah. wow okay. oh see I never thought about that when I think because yeah. I haven't watched that movie probably in twenty years mm-hmm. that's why I was I was oh. trying to I was trying to repurpose the gay jokes in this movie as being like that's Fletch trying to piss off the cops that are obviously hyper masculine and heterosexual and. No, he never comes off as homophobic. No, no, he doesn't. He doesn't at all. Yeah. Are they usually? Do they usually get this this much fun? Yeah. This podcast. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. But uh, okay, so you're Ken. You're a huge Chevy Chase fan. Yeah, 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 yeah. What do you do? You think of like um, who are his modern heirs? 
Because I feel like I, there's somebody I, I think I of know. when I, I see think, his work. I think you got to look backwards. I think you got to look yeah. at Buster Keaton. I think you got like you know. Oh sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he comes from an era where you can do more with a look than you can with a lot of dialogue. And I yeah. think now um, the comedians that we follow now are guys who who feel like they have to fill those silences with jokes. Yeah. Um, yeah. You don't get that you know classic just. And he's not. I wouldn't even say he's mugging. It's like there's a simplicity to work. No, he, there's a deadpan thing going on that it's really... Yeah, he's not playing it up too much. And it's interesting because I, I was thinking as I was re-watching this, uh, not re-watching, watching it, but just the, the Jason Lee idea of casting. I was like, I guess he wouldn't be terrible, but there's definitely an element that Chevy Chase has that he does not. Now, what do you think about just like the whole... Because I remember when that idea surfaced, I don't know how far the development it was, mm-hmm. but the idea of... Of uh, Kevin Smith making a Jason Lee starring remake of Fletch was a cool novel idea. Yeah. But as we get further on and they're remaking things from. And Bill Lawrence you know, after him, right? Tw- it went to Bill Lawrence next. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Um, and he was making it. Uh, he was making it. Uh, I don't know if he had an actor in mind, but he did write a script. Huh. Do you know who I would cast if you were making Fletch now? John Krasinski. Oh. Interesting. Tall, but, handsome, yeah. charming. Yeah. Soft, easy on the eyes. He can do, do it. those characters though. The characters are not that. Well the thing drawn. is, I feel like the characters are. Yeah, they're kind of like they're <laughs> they're they're of a time for sure. You know, he puts he, no, but he even he admits it. He says he spent forty nine cents on fake teeth. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why but, I wonder. Like, I feel like but Vince, still Vince Vaughn could have done it ten years ago. Even though, like, he gives like just names of real people and does very little to change his appearance. Yeah, those characters still feel like they're like they still yeah. feel like individual people somehow. See, I'm going to go the other way and go that they just reflect on the stupidity of the people that he's fooling. Because I think he's basically just like ridiculing the people that he's trying to... Uh, uh, yeah, I would agree with that as to well. To fool. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like he's... It, there's, a, there's a weird... Uh, but you know, it's it's weird because if someone did that to you, you know, those people that there's a... Mean if, if they introduced themselves as they, Harry Estrella? Yeah, if they came and gave you a false name and were like... But you'd, you'd have that respect of, I can't just... I have to kind of play along with this because I don't know if it's... Well, isn't he kind of committing fraud nonstop through the entire movie? I mean, that's why he's not a cop. Yeah. He doesn't, it doesn't matter. That's it's why he's a fraud, is it not? But what's the fraud? Well, it's, it's false. It's... As a journalist, I think in those days, you got the story however you got the story. Right. I'm sure now... Do you mean like if somebody would have been like, oh, I thought I was talking to somebody else? Yeah. What's... Is that a crime? I don't know. He never says he's a he never says he's a reporter. Is that something he gives false to names? Do? I don't know. He gives false names. Yeah, he yeah. says he works for different places. Oh, in terms of recording, but he's always just listening to things. He doesn't. He's just kind of following the trail, like as opposed to like putting. Yeah, yes, as a journalist, you're not trying to put someone in jail. Yeah, he's are you a lawyer who realizes a flawed uh, legal precedent in the movie Fletch? <laughs> Give us a call now on the. Hot, is there a number? This is not. This is going to air weeks from now. What do you mean? There's not, it's not live. You can tweet. Uh, at, yes. Hey, shout out Call the number on the bottom of the, bottom of the screen. Let us know if Fletch has any legal precedent in the movie. Not a screen. It's no screen. <laughs> just look at the, the just the number that comes up on your cellular device. Do I feel like are they listening? Hello. Uh, you're on the air. Go ahead with your call. Uh, hi. I, I, I can't even do it. I can't Ted, even do it. Ted, Ted uh, but, but there's a thing. There's a running thing of like the the wanting to remake things that I, I feel like I'm kind of glad. Mm-hmm. That Fletch didn't get remade. Yeah, it's well, like find a new thing. Here's like for someone that this movie yeah. is now what thirty years old. Yeah, 35, 30, 30, yeah. I, I, this movie stood up for someone who has never seen it before. Yeah, I was laughing through it. I was really enjoying it. 
you know, I, as, a, as a movie that's a time capsule of this time, I'm able to let go the things that don't quite hold up. Right. Morality-wise, which is very minimal compared to a There's lot of movies. There's a few punchlines where it's like, oh, he, he thinks uh, Mexican is a, uh, Spanish is a funny language. Well, should we talk about the, the very obvious comparison, which is Beverly Hills Cop? Yeah. I mean, it's It actually movie. follows a lot of the same... It's really the same movie with a journalist instead of a cop. Honestly... Considering how close it was to that, and considering the the score, the Harold Faltermeyer yeah. score, and the director, and considering the SNL connection, yeah, they are really like, and it's Eddie Murphy, same thing. One even character trading, even trading places didn't have. I mean, Forty Eight Hours has stakes, yeah, that are not comedic stakes, mm-hmm. but Trading Places is much more of a a comedy straight ahead <laughs> in terms of you never think he's going to die. But like Beverly Hills Cop and Fletch have so much in common. And the fact that they were kind of in this... They're even playing characters. Eddie Murphy's playing like he's pretending to be different Yeah, characters. the Rolling Stones reporter yeah. and, yeah, all that stuff. Like, he's... He definitely masquerades as, like, as, as people richer than he is yeah. to carry on and try to fit into places. Yeah, and they're very and, similar. And he plays a homosexual uh, a couple of times, I believe, in that franchise. Uh, is that right? What is yeah, he when he goes to talk to... He's, uh, he goes to talk to um, Victor Maitland... At the bar. Oh, he does. He tries to mess with him. Yeah, right. Yeah. He's like, uh, where you at, Victor? And he's like pretending he's his gay lover. Yeah, right. Was Beverly Hills Copyright made as a TV show or is that just something that happened on Californication? It it was, but it didn't didn't go beyond pilot. Oh, okay. Wait, wait. It happened on Californication? There was a joke about an old movie unless they did a No, they made it. They made a a pilot of Beverly Hills Cop? And it was his nephew, but Axel Foley was in it. Eddie Murphy was in it. Oh, right. I read about this. It actually got made? It got made, the pilot, but then it didn't go beyond Because it's about a cop trying to be, like, escape from under the shadow of his uncle Mm. or father. But the reason they didn't make it is because they saw Eddie Murphy in it and went, no, we want Axel Foley back in the movies. And so they shelved it so that they could make Beverly Hills Cop Four, which is which still in some away. sort of development. Yeah. Is it not? It's not happening. Uh, well, it's it hasn't been heard of in years. So. Boy, there's really something about just these things that that, that were it's the height of the fame of these of some of these actors. Mm-hmm. Even looking like the Die Hard franchise and stuff like that, it's just like yeah, the Die Hard franchise is a weapon now. And oh. yeah, well, the Die Hard franchise just became something else. Well, they're just kind of like. Well, that's the thing. If Fletch had come out like in the last five years, they'd have made four by now. Like it would be a series. And and the fact that there's source material. Was this was it was this like a a a a commercially successful movie when it came out? Fletch. Yeah, Yeah, it was. But the sequel killed anything that was resembling a profit. Is it bad? Oh, it's awful. Okay. It's it's a fun watch. It's I'm definitely worth watching now that you've seen the first one. It's the, it's more of the same, but it's yeah. not, it's like. But what if we got a bad director and a bad script? So oh. Chevy Chase is still Chevy Chase. Yeah, right. Making everything, elevating everything Doing he does, his best. but everything else about it is terrible. But in a way, it's almost like I mean, now some people. I don't mean to bring this up if this is blasphemy, but uh, there are people who love Ace Ventura: When Nature Calls. I think that movie could not have been a, a worse. No, it's horrible. Like a, 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 a more delusional reach mm-hmm. of let's jam this character in, into a completely different context. Yeah. Let alone the stuff that doesn't age well in the Ace Ventura movie, which is like you know shame, the shame and, and uh, transphobia and everything yeah. that, oh, yeah. that that nails the, the punchline of the whole movie. But uh, yeah, that whole movie just like what if we that. just put him in Africa? And it's just like what? All that's I- not. 
There's nothing. There's no, yeah. not even the same context of the character. Like, put him in a new case. The first thing I think of when I think of this, the nature calls, is him like the elephant, a command of the the fake rhino. Right. That's like the robot. least offensive thing about that movie. <laughs> no, comes out of the, I understand uh, the, the automated rhino that he gets. But you know, uh, that's what happens it. is they make a mistake on these movies because what was really great about Ace Ventura is the same as what's great about Fletch is there's an actual case. Yeah. You know. And then the second movie, much like Fletch 2, which does have a case, but it's very loose, it just becomes a series of sketches. Yeah. It's like, what hilarious characters can Chevy Chase play? Yeah. Um, oh, he's a preacher now. Oh, he's this now. Oh, he's this now. And it's the same as Ace Ventura 2. Let's make fun of Cliffhanger. Let's make fun of this movie. Yeah. You know, it's no longer a movie. It's just a series of sketches. Well, and the difference is with Ace Ventura and Ace Ventura 2, they, they had... Catchphrases that they kept bringing back, like like a, like a glove yeah. and mm-hmm. talking out of his ass and lehu lehu. But that's all just stuff that just came off in the first movie and became catchphrases. So they, Jim Carrey used to do all righty then in his stand-up. No, I understand. So but, stuff like that, they were they were yeah. earmarked by him in the writing of the first one. But this, at least, Fletch has a a, a shelf life of of range where you could be yeah. like, it's not just like. Oh, behave again. You know, yeah. it's, uh, I, I, I just made an Austin Powers reference, but <laughs> speaking of movies that were milking the same jokes over yeah, and over, yeah, yeah. or even like the Anchorman sequel, same kind of stuff. Where it's like, well, they, they don't, you know, they, they but, pulled similar jokes and yeah. it's like, you had this thing. It was cool. Just leave it. Yeah. But you don't you feel know? like in this one that he's pulling any, any things that are meant to be catchphrases. No. Cause he's doing characters and that's the thing. It's like, it yeah. lives and dies on the strength of the, the undercover characters. Yeah, he plays. I mean, he doesn't go back to any of the characters he did in the first movie. No, they're all new characters. Yeah, he doesn't go back to Harry S. Truman. <laughs> the only one I remember in the sequel was Elmer Fudd Gantry. Yeah, but they're barely <laughs> characters. He does in the no, they're, he's just ha- that's why it feels like he's- I think the feeling is that he pulls up in his car and makes up the characters he's walking up to the person. Yeah, but now well, you said this is actually indicative of the books. Yeah. Because he yeah. actually was like, the, the character Fletch was like this in the books. Well, the dialogue was very similar. In fact, the books, the first line of the book is, I want you to kill me. And it's like, from there, it's like, it's very snappy patter. Yeah. And, uh, and a lot of the dialogue is actually transposed. I think Chevy Chase did a little rewrite along the way on right. some of the characters. Now, is that, is, that not a, is that not a device of the books? It is a device of the books, Where but he's they, coming it's, in not the cover. As, it's not as overt. Yeah. Like, the books are a product of their time. Yeah. They're a little earlier than the 80s, so... Right. Um, well, this is very much like, what if we took your SNL strength <coughs> and mixed it with yeah. these books, with this source material, and... How he's not a bumbling there? idiot in the... Uh, I mean, he's not in this either, but, yeah. you know, the trappings of that are there. Yeah, for That's sure. not in the books. Yeah. How many books are in the series? Um, there's about... There's about eight or ten. Interesting. Yeah. Like the comedic That's room. what I'm saying. If they were to be out now, they would have made one every two years. Yeah. It's like the comedic Raymond Chandler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It goes to show... I mean, the fact they're making, what, the, what's the sixth Mission Impossible movie? Yeah. Seventh? Sixth, yeah. They've turned into... That's become a franchise of its own, you know? Jeez. They're the Kingsman. How many Kingsmen are they going to make? Yeah, well, I don't know. We've only made two so far. Did the second one not do well? I don't think it did as well, but I still enjoyed it. I haven't yeah. seen it yet. I enjoyed it. I definitely got to watch it. The first yeah, yeah. one was just a, just lunacy. Oh, the the second one like is twice as chaotic and crazy. right. Sure, which is to its detriment. Really, although it doesn't have that church scene. story. Yeah, it doesn't have like a scene like the church scene. Oh, the church scene is insane. <laughs> although the final fight was it's pretty pretty, great. pretty epic. Yeah, I just love Samuel Jackson not being able to stomach the violence. That's got some heart too. The second one, I guess the first one did as well. See, yeah, it's nice. I like that we're talking about the Kingsman now. Yeah, yeah, I see, you know, that's... We cover a lot of ground. Go all over the place. Did you ever see Memoirs of an Invisible Man? I have. 
I've seen. I, I, I saw it in the theaters. Every single Chevy Chase. Movie. I was a huge Chevy Chase fan growing up. Yeah. So I, the, I maybe not really to the extent that you so, were. So that's, that's, that's a good segue into like the legacy of Chevy Chase and, mm-hmm. and Chevy Chase now. Yeah. Well, and then I don't think he's changed. As, you know, I think he's always been. The perception is. I mean, I don't know him, but the perception is that he's a, a, a really tough person to work with. Yeah. And there, there's interviews I read with him where. It's almost like you, given what he did, like he definitely had a shtick, you know, and not that a good shtick doesn't go a long way. You know what I mean? Like I think about his part in Three Amigos, he's integral to what works about mm-hmm. that movie. But and Spies Like Us, same thing. And even like Ty Webb in Caddyshack is a really understated character, considering what else is going on in that movie. Yeah. Bill Murray, Ryder Dangerfield, like there's so much over the top arch stuff that's still fun, but he's very. He's found like a, a a wavelength that's a little under. He's a weird, unlikely leading man. Yeah, but he's also like kind of like cl- you know, classic leading man, handsome and, and yeah. you know, uh, he's handsome and tall and. Mm-hmm. Well, he's, an every, he's an everyman, but not I mean, he quite. Was, he yeah, played, he's played you know a cop a few times in his early career. Foul yeah. play was uh, really good. I did not see foul play. I don't know foul play. I kind of look great. at Vince Vaughn as being like similar to him. Sure, like a Vince guy Vaughn who, would work as a flesh. Close by his charms. Yeah, I, yeah, it's not. A bad if you look at the difference between Swingers and Made, two of my favorite movies, like Swingers is a movie where everything works for his character, mm-hmm. and that's kind of like Fletch. Like he gets away with yeah. everything. Yeah. On the strength of his charms, <laughs> and then in May he stops being able to do that, and <laughs> finds him uh, reprehensible. But no, uh, that, Vince Vaughn's not a bad choice for like a, fl- a modern. Fl- and if you look at like Wedding Crashers, it's kind of it's the same vibe. Like it's not it's not the same stakes, it's not a mystery, but he's still doing. Yeah, it's a higher energy Fletch. Yeah, yeah. I don't know when he's played a guy that was a good guy that was that sort of yeah. deceitful and. Trouble making, like he he in Clay Pigeons. Have you seen Clay Pigeons? Mm, I don't think so. No. Yeah, he's a bad guy, but he's like he's doing like a southern accent. It's kind of he's got a weird yeah. laugh, and it's a good time. But a corollary of that time is you could also see Bill Murray would have worked in this role. What do you think? I don't know. Was Bill Murray considered handsome at the time? Because there's something about Chevy Chase that yeah, just, in the scenes where so he has soft. like romantic. There, he's got a, a kind of a, a incorrigible charm. I think more. Well, he's had a Bill that Murray, Bill Murray I think, grew into. You know, that's fair. I, know, I, I say, feel like Bill Murray at the time was way more kind of an agent of chaos. You know, you look at like I think quick if you change look at, or, I think if you look at Stripes, though, he did have yeah. a little bit of that charm. Sure, he's got uh, the sure. charm for sure. You're right. Chevy has more of a leading man. Quality. I mean, in retrospect, his stuff in Ghostbusters is straight up creepy. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, he's just bothering Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, yeah. He's just annoying her yeah, that scene, and will not let up. That first scene when he goes over to her apartment yeah. is a bit much. Now. Yeah. 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 But even the second the second one's worse. The second one is worse for that. Well, they have a baby at that point. Right, so. yeah, but he's just like... <laughs> that he but has... A, but I feel like Bill Murray, like, he grew into... Whatever, whatever the sex symbol part of it was, mm-hmm. it almost seems like. I mean, Especially you if you look at, at them in Caddyshack, right? Yeah, you know they're they're such two very different. <laughs> very characters. different. Yeah, yeah. Although when the two of them are together in that one scene in Caddyshack, maybe the best six seven minutes ever connected yeah. film. Yeah, absolutely. That's a very valid argument. I mean, it makes you wonder if they two guys done more who stuff hate together. each other Oof. put together one of the funniest scenes. Did they hate each other at that point? I, it's Already? not that long after. Well, I, I don't know that the that about their relationship. They they had uh, well, Bill Murray replaced him on uh, Saturday Night Live when he left to do movies, 
And then Chevy Chase uh, came back well, you to were host. Telling, why don't you tell the story? He came, I mean, this is based on like the SNL books that they published and stuff. But there's like a and you know urban legend things. But uh, was Chevy Chase only on for one year? He yes. was on for the first year, and yeah. then he left to go do movies. Mm-hmm. And Bill Murray replaced him. And then Chevy Chase came back. I'm not sure what movie he was promoting, but he came back to host. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what. All I remember is the the con. I'm not telling the best version of the story, but. Uh, at some point, Bill Murray just like pointed at Chevy Chase and yelled, "Middling talent, <laughs> Me- medium talent, medium talent." So I think there was there was a yeah, there was a punch. There was an already a tension in there. Oh, he did. Did he punch him in the face? Right in the face. See that part? I did not know. Yeah, they, they who was punched him? Uh, Bill Murray punched him. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, when he came back, you know, there's a lot of jealousy. A lot of jealousy. I mean, Chevy Chase. Everyone was jealous right from the get go because he was the only on that only person on that show who got to say their name every week. <laughs> And so he was, he became the face of Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Instantly left to do movies. Yeah. And everybody else was very jealous. And so when he came back on, the entire cast just hated him. Yeah. Bill Murray especially because he didn't have any rapport with him. But didn't Bill get his career because of Chevy Chase leaving? You know, that's, uh, Bill, I mean, he was already working for National Lampoons and like, I think he's. I think Bill Murray would have found his way. Yeah, I don't think he wasn't without uh, a pedigree already. Mm -hmm. I mean, his brothers were also uh, hugely into the comedy scene. I think he definitely would have found his way. But and and he's a guy who almost like didn't want the fame. Like even those days, you know, we talked about this on the Meatballs uh, podcast that they didn't even know. I'm very sad. I missed that. You know, right, right down to the wire, and that was his only his second movie. Yeah, they were like, we don't, we don't know if he's going to show up. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that shows a guy who basically is destined to be um, a star because it just he can't even avoid it. Yeah. Well, there's just millions of stories about Bill Murray, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But apparently, I'm just looking up stuff from the history of SNL, and apparently, he was like doing coke and bragging about fame and things. I mean, this this is the problem with like a, when you think of comedians that you you know you look up to, you never want to know that their egos got the better of them. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I remember reading an interview with him where he was talking about playing Gerald Ford and falling down and stuff like that. And he was talking about it like he was reinventing the wheel. And you never want... Like, you can be proud of your work, mm-hmm. but you never want a comedian to be... You know, it's just completely... That's devoid of any kind of self-effacement. Like, yeah. you know, you're falling yeah. down for a living. Like, don't <laughs> sit you know, don't sit there and talk like you're... Like curing cancer. Yeah, or it's like an art form. I mean... It is. Yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit here and say that he wasn't doing some magical things. Like when he touches the uh, the side of the plane that's hot, there's just a tiny little thing. And I feel like that might have been in the preview. Or I just remember like my yeah. dad and I. I laughing feel like that, that was real. Oh, yeah, or, it might have been. Or he's amazing. It might have been, but and he is amazing. But you don't need to hear somebody who's amazing at something talk don't about it like it's the greatest. They're that they're the greatest. Mm-hmm. Well, it, especially in comedy, I, I find what I hate people talking and and, and explaining comedy because it feels like. A magician telling me how they do their trick. Yeah. And I'm like, it ruins the trick for me now. Yeah. It's like, for me, comedy is so... There, there is a magic to it where just, there's so there's inspiration that comes from who knows where. It's just when you're dropped into the moment, whether it's your writing or whether it's your performing, there's just something that takes over and, and becomes this other thing that once you try to deconstruct it too much, it just ruins it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's what you're talking about. Here's a quote, by the way. Uh, once uh, Johnny Carson once said Chevy quote couldn't ad lib a fart after a baked bean dinner after Chevy dismissed chatter that he could be the next Carson so it sounds like in general he just bothered a lot of people 
Yeah, and this was the whole... Uh, you're just listening to me Google stuff at this point. That's great. I think that's... that's speaking of uh, tight comedy bits. But, you know, he, anyway. was, he was a huge, huge star of the 80s. Yeah. Um, and he got that fame very quickly. And it just goes to show you, like, he, he, the wrong, uh, you know, temperament gets that kind of notoriety, and they, they ruin their lives. Absolutely. But then, cut to community. community. Yeah. And... He's not not funny on that show. Like he's not the best part of that show. But he's also taking the piss on himself on a regular basis. Yeah, but that's I mean, but that's written like that. Yeah. And then eventually, you know, it led to him and Dan Harmon having a whole conflict too. So well, it sounds like they both have very similar personalities. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite stories that came out of the community, just wealth of stories, was someone with Joe McHale talking about how. Uh, he asked Chevy if he had an email he sent him. He's like, no, I can't. I, my email's in New York. Like, he didn't know how to check his email unless he was at his home computer. <laughs> well, that's just sad. <laughs> that's kind of sad. And I don't know if that's just a joke that Joe McHale tells or yeah. if uh, or if that's a true no, thing. I, I, it sounds well, you know, true, man. On it some level, true. isn't it nice that we're talking about an actor whose disgrace was that he was kind of an egomaniac and embarrassed himself in our current climate of what's happening to all these male yeah. actors and what their legacies are. He was uh, an arrogant prick. Seems kind of benign by comparison. You know what I mean? It's true. Yeah. It, yeah. Unless like, I'm like, oh, Chevy Chase wasn't humble. Yeah. And I mean, you know, who the hell knows what the hell comes out. But I mean, as far as we're talking right now, his biggest uh, to me, it doesn't interfere flaw with seems art. to be his ego. Like yeah. You know, I can, I can still appreciate his entire filmography without feeling I watched Three Amigos once a year, maybe twice. Mm-hmm. And he's doing some magic in there that only works as a counterbalance to Steve Martin and Martin Short. And the, 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 I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there are things that could take that away from me. But, uh, the only movie I don't like him in is Caddyshack 2. That might be like the only movie I can't now, watch. Now, what is it about Caddyshack 2 you don't like him in? Um, it's mostly the movie around him. It's just it's yeah. unwatchable. Right. Yeah. But that's different than him. But he's playing the same character. And, he's, and, you know, he's like... More unlikable. He's the only person in that movie who's playing the same character. Right. Everybody else is gone. And um, again, it goes, it goes to show you the circumstances. Yeah. Like you, he got paid very goals. well to do Caddyshack too. And he's not in it much. He's like kind of a small part. Doesn't need to be there. It's clear right. they, they were like, we need some connected. We need something Is here. he the only one from the first one? Um, yeah. So they're yeah. just going off the brand? I don't know if I ever saw It was saw Jackie... It. Jackie... Uh, what's his name? Jackie Mason took yeah. over the... Um, Rodney Dangerfield? Rodney Dangerfield role. Not playing Dan Aykroyd took over the, the Bill part. Murray role. Oh, yeah. Playing a terrible character, but uh, unwatchable. But just character. filling in the blank, like not not playing the exact same character. No, no, just, no. Yeah, right. Okay. No, yeah. yeah, playing the surrogate. But and then Randy Quaid is just a new character who is actually kind of the only funny guy that. I what a weird game. choice for Dan Aykroyd to jump in. Yeah, in a role for like right? a buddy of his. No. And d- to do a really, really. Bad I mean, it's not job. like Bill Murray has the most squeaky clean reputation of sure. Being, you look at the story between him and Harold Ramis and everything, and like, yeah, 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 there's tensions, stuff. you know, there's all kinds of stuff that, like, again, we're talking about people who were at the height, like, these movies were making. Yeah. Well, and, and, and the Ramis thing happened during Groundhog Day. Yeah, right. Which is arguably one of their best films combined. Yeah. yeah. Two of them together. And that's heartbreaking, too, to read about, you know, the, the, the way Murray treated, treated uh, Ramis on that set. Yeah, and, it's awful, but man, the art is beautiful. But you yeah. watch that movie, and it's like, that's a perfect movie. Yeah. Did you, guys see, did you guys see Happy Death Day? I did. 
Fantastic. I really enjoyed it. I for what it, it is. Yet. Do you know what it's about? I know what it is, but okay. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, for what it is, it's yeah. delightful. And they totally call out the Groundhog Day yeah. reference. It's just like, what if this was? What if we made Groundhog Day a horror movie? And they do it. That's great, although they're doing that with every movie now. It's been that, they well, did the, it with basically Edge of Tomorrow, basically, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they did but again, a Christmas version. And you know, what was the Christmas What's one? The Christmas it's a kid's movie called Pete's Christmas, but it, it's like... Uh, uh, Pete sounds like a real I'll trigger. say this, Edge of Tomorrow, <laughs> great. Oh yeah, I love it. Especially when they change the title to every Star Trek iteration, including the new one. Yeah, they've already done season one. They've already done their Groundhog Day. Amazing. Yeah, but they changed the title of Edge of Tomorrow (coughs) to the tagline. It's now called Live Die Repeat. I don't know if that's true. It is. It is in the the tag for the movie. has now become the title. Like once it got released on DVD. Oh, I didn't know that. It was called Edge of Tomorrow. So badly that when they went on Blu-ray, they tried to sell it as a completely different movie. Yeah, it's a better title. Because I think it it's, hard to, it's hard to uh, not confuse that movie with... Was it Oblivion? What was the other yeah, sci-fi Oblivion. movie that Tom Cruise made like the year before? Uh, they kind of meld into each other. Yeah. Oblivion and Edge of Tomorrow aren't exactly distinct names. No, know? but Edge of Tomorrow is... Yeah, it's, it's a, a bad title. Oblivion, Oblivion Elysium... It's a title by committee, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Well, it used to be called All We Need Is Kill. All You Need Is Kill. That's the name of the graphic novel it's based on. Oh, uh. well, there you go. But if, yeah, check out Happy Death Day. I highly recommend. Yeah, Super I can't fun. wait to. Can't Great wait time to if you want to invoke, and that I respect. Like it's not the same people coming back twenty years later. It's like, here, there's an idea. We'll sell it. And I auditioned for a gender swapped version of What About Bob. It's a TV series that I don't think ever got made. Oh, I, I, I put I myself on tape. I heard about. I, it. You know what? I actually, <laughs> what part uh, were you? Oh, geez, I don't remember. I don't. Um, it all came and went very fast, but. Um, it wasn't a substantial role, but was it? What about Mora? Barb. What about Barb? What about Barb? Sorry. What that about Mora? <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's that's a reach. But I mean, you know, the fact that they're trying to rehash stuff like that is just like. Eh. Well, they're doing the gender swap and everything now, right? Yeah. Ocean's Eleven. Uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. And Hathaway. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I can't remember the other person. But they're not calling it Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Like they have. Who's a, the they, other? They person? don't have a name for it yet that I know. Who's of. the other person? I don't feel like I have enough time to talk about Anne Hathaway right now. <laughs> oh, you don't like Anne Hathaway? I don't want to say what I think about Anne Hathaway. All right, we'll talk about it after. But who's who they put in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels? I feel like it's Anne Hathaway and the um, oh, what's her name from Pitch Perfect? Not Anna Kendrick, Anna? the blonde. Rebel um, Wilson. The Rebel Wilson. That oh. Makes sense. I feel like that I'm interested in. I feel like, but who's the guy? I'm curious because that was the, they haven't said that yet. I think they just mentioned that was Glenn. What was her name? Glenn Hedy. Glenn Hedley. Yeah, she Hedley, just, yeah. just Hedley? passed Hedley, away. Yeah. Right? Hedley, yeah. That's yeah. so sad. I could yeah. be wrong with Rebel Wilson, uh, but I feel like that's the right person. But that that mean the, the combination of those two makes me curious. I feel also, like it, I love I love Dirty R- 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 I just feel like it's a growing pains thing where I realize maybe it's my privilege to say so, but. Shouldn't the end game be new things that aren't rehashes, even if it's along gender lines? Like, who is it that thinks resetting Dirty Rotten Scoundrels along gender lo- swapped lines is going to, like, just reaffirm the legacy of that movie? Oh, no. You know idea. what I mean? I feel like it's the kind of thing where someone wrote a script and they went, hey, this is similar to Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. We should market it as a remake no. of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Right. With, it could you know. be. It could be. But I think also. That they're, you know, so, so desperate to find ways to repurpose old movies. Yeah. That gender swap is the, is the new, you know. It's like a a reboot. It's just an easier way to market things. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. So I'm saying it's not, it's not devoid of cynicism. 
Yeah. While I have nothing against, you know, uh, when Ghostbusters came out, the backlash was preposterous and embarrassing. Oh, movie's from great. From men everywhere. I loved it. I, I, I did not care for the movie. I did not enjoy it yeah. myself. But I thought it was great. I think I just felt self-conscious about how I feel like I could see the sausage being made. Right. Of all the the problem wasn't that it was female <laughs> Ghostbusters. It was that why why this why this again like why not make something else? But then I'm talking to you know uh, friends of mine, uh, moms that have kids that are daughters and they're that's it. They're like I'm I went with my ten year old know, daughter. And yeah, she see? loved it. That's and I, the point of what I'm saying is not to take away from that, but it's like there's got to be something else. I'm going to be able to yeah. go Fair further enough. than movies Fair from enough. the 80s that were kind of... Well, it'll be, you know, uh, women in black soon and... Uh, why would they be in black? Are they in mourning? Oh, why does it have to be black? <laughs> How about women in whatever they want, goddammit? Women in... Well, women in white, would that be the full, rehear- full reversal? I feel like we don't, want to, we don't want to put the word in white in the movie. <laughs> no, that's true. I don't even know what that means. Women in plaid. There you go. How long does this go? Because I feel like I'm going to say something problematic. I think, I think I'm about to go plaid. <laughs> I think we're done. Spaceballs reference. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You're about to go plaid. So, any final thoughts on a rewatch? Uh, I watched this last week, and I will watch <laughs> it probably next week. I there's things that came up this time that I, I think the last time I saw Fletch was like two years ago, and I think so much has happened in terms of, uh, you know. The way we look at things from cultural the past now, cultural, cultural awareness. awareness, that it's like, yeah. no, this is not, this is relatively innocuous, you know, and there's, there's no glaring thing where yeah. it's like, oh dear, that's, that's ruining my enjoyment of the movie. It's a, it's a weird, fun romp that is trying to figure out how to tonally be uh, a comedy, but also have high stakes in it and put yeah. it in a dramatic context that he uses humor to get out of it. You know, it's, it's a good time. No, I like that it has real stakes. There's a real story behind it, but it's yeah. funny. Killer soundtrack. Shout out to Harold Faltermeyer for scoring our our childhoods. I mean, come on. Absolutely. He did this. He did the Top Gun theme. He did Axel F. So much good stuff. Good night. Yeah. Okay, good night. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you for having us. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Thanks for joining us for Fletch. If you like the show, please subscribe to the podcast and spread the word about it. You can find me on Twitter at Lalon Jeremy and on Facebook, check out Black Hole Films. Leave a review there or on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you listen to this thing. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.